Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Inland Valley Art and Literature Show. My name is John Branningham. I teach at Mount Sac, and I, I'm a local writer and poet. Hi, I am Tim Hatch. I teach at uh, RCC, Cal State San Bernardino, and Valley College, San Bernardino Valley College. And uh, I'm a writer of stuff. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Jeffrey. I, uh, I'm a technical writer for a um, tax firm in Los Angeles, and I'm also a uh, poet. Hey guys, I'm David. I teach high school in the San Gabriel Valley and uh, have, have, uh, have desire to be a science fiction and fantasy writer. Uh, hi, I'm Aruni. I, I'm not sure what I do right now, but I'm a budding poet, I guess. <laughs> I am Ken Johnson and I'm an artist and a writer in Upland, California. Yeah, I think I think uh, Rooney, we can we can all say that we're just kind of COVID survivors at this point, right? Just kind of living <laughs> in this weird sure. and deniers. Come on, and I'm, deniers. I'm, I'm right here, guys. Fuck. <laughs> My dad got the vaccine, so I feel. Oh wow! Crazy. Congrats! Oh, shit. That's really great. Yeah, I'm joking, my... by the way. COVID's real. <laughs> my. Uh... Yeah, I wouldn't have spent the last hour talking to your dumbass if you were a legit COVID denier. <laughs> my, uh, really? no, I'm just my brother-in-law's mother got it because she works at a city of hope oh wow yeah she's like a head nurse or something yeah, so. my dad at 81 is an essential worker wow oh my gosh oh, god what do you yeah. do at 81 he's uh an assistant surgeon and his surgical team told the hospital that he had to have the vaccine or it would shut <laughs> down their um cardiothoracic function you ever oh, take well. pictures of his hands? His hands must be like the coolest things to be 80, 81. Well, 80 to still be using them in such a high precision field at that age, like they must be cool looking hands. I never I, thought uh, about it, but yeah. I yeah. I guess you're right. Although he has the handwriting of a serial killer, so <laughs> Oh, that's even better though. Like yeah. look what you do this great thing, but, but oh that's my God. that's like all doctors, isn't it? They're supposed to have, I think they train to have shitty handwriting. Although my mom's a pediatrician, she has beautiful handwriting, so I don't know. Oh, okay. My well, parents defy definition. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm glad he got the vaccine. I had a friend uh, pass yeah. of it just two weeks yeah. ago, and I'm sorry. Uh, she was walking five miles a day and the picture of good health, and then she wasn't. And uh, she's my age ish. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I've had a couple of friends pass away. It's <sighs> terrible shit. It's so devastating. But anyway, well, yeah. Look, why don't we go go to the uh, the topic of this conversation? Keep are, it we, light. Are, Keep are, it we light. Not, are we not talking about COVID? <laughs> no, no, I don't think we're we're exactly experts here. We're not. Uh, I'm at the wrong podcast. I thought this was surviving COVID. <laughs> Guys, I'm getting a message from our producers to uh, get to back on track. Talk to shut agent. the fuck up and get on get back on task. All right. So, so, so David Falkenberg uh, came to me a, a week ago and asked if we could do a show on what makes an idea good, um, and uh, we're talking about in, in an artistic sense because it's, it's it's difficult to know, right? And you start off and you start to to writing on a project. I don't know how many projects I've scrapped um, over the years just because I get you know third of the way in and it's total dog crap, and I just just throw it away. So, um, so it's, it's a good question. How? I think maybe the, the, the beginning, uh, we, we might have to define the term good. 
um, what, what do we mean by good when we're talking about an artistic thing? Um, and, I, and I think there, there are, we have to split at least in two ways, at least in two ways. One is good for the individual, the, the individual writer, and then one is good for public consumption. So is there, is there good, is there bad for the, for the individual writer? I mean, can you start writing something that, that's bad um, just for yourself? I mean, isn't, doesn't everything kind of start off? Oh, okay. I'll talk about myself. Most uh, everything I write starts off as utter crap. And then that's, if if there's something there, then, you know, I keep revising it and working it until it's not crap. Once in a while, I get something pretty cool out of the gate, but that's a very rare thing. Um, But that's like a poem. and, And if we're talking about a story idea, I think that might be slightly different. Also, can I just say real quick, like, what is a good story idea? Like, I mean, some of the best stories I've seen in recent years have been um, these two people meet and fall in love, which is the most unoriginal, boring shit I can think of. And yet, uh, you know, that the what made it good was the execution of it, right? As opposed to an amazing idea, like, you know, uh, 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 a hitman in the present day has to kill himself from the future being sent back in time. Like that is like a crazy good plot, but the execution could have sucked. Well, it has the same amount of opportunity to fail, but I think what you're really hinting at is a more important thing, especially as we look at newer writers and less established ones, uh, particularly is what, what really makes you think you're both qualified to produce content as a new person entering this field and uh, and uh, identify good from bad and feel as though you are accountable to that obligation when really all you need to do is get everything out? If you can't get everything out because you are constantly stopping yourself from pursuing a quote-unquote bad idea, everything Tim just said can't be true because he just heard for the hundred thousandth time the same love story but it was successful here 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 and here because of craft aka practice you know we can come up with all the cool terms for it but uh, when push comes to shove you need to have that same 10,000 hours to master anything uh, from building rebuilding carburetors to building stories that are compelling with good and bad ideas uh, I think there's been enough uh like Jim Butchers of the world saying, I'm going to take these two tropes and make it work. You know, these two, not, I can't say they're bad ideas, but they're face, these overdone ideas and, and reface them and sell them. And we have that. So we know it can be done. We, I just also know that you shouldn't be wasting uh, valuable time. You could be writing, trying to say what's good writing and what's bad writing. But at a certain point, you do want to abandon a project that's like... Yeah, this is just maybe, for news. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I, I abandon projects when they don't feel real or um, they're hurting me emotionally or when, you know... Uh, so th- those I think those are truly bad ideas. Um, well, do you, do you ever feel the need... And maybe Ken would be more equipped to answer this. Is there ever a, a benefit of... Like journaling could be hurtful, uh, it, it, but my audience is not 
my audience is one like is everything for an audience uh, like no i need to be happy with it first before i'm gonna send it to my community i you guys uh they need to be happy with it before i'm happy with it again before i send it to some stranger the you know the the the, the submission to a, to a journal so i mean ken what what are your thoughts on journaling and is journaling how do, and john you could then maybe answer that the next part is journaling a fair medium to to advance in creative writing and i feel like that's an obvious yes we have creative writing programs in in that very thing I don't know. Let me let me start by saying that journaling specifically, your question is, can it be harmful to do it? Right. Is that what you're asking? Well, well, John had brought up a point about the idea of, of abandoning a piece when it's hurtful. And I totally understand that, especially for public consumption, because you know, you're going to have to, as a new, as a writer in this area, you're going to have to sell it. You're going to have to go do readings. And if, if it hurts you to do this, don't do this. Like, but, but if it's a hurtful help, is that a possible in journaling when the audience is limited to just one? Yike. Um, <laughs> you're, you're asking a lot of different questions. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it, no, that's fine. That's fine. Because, a different way. Well, no, it's fine because if you asked any one aspect of, of your multiple questions, if you asked any one aspect, it could only be answered in isolation because it's the whole pattern that creates the issue of whether it's okay to go ahead with that project or not. So let's take a, for example, let's say that at some point in my checkered past, I had uh, committed some act for which I feel abhorrence and shame and feel in retrospect that not only did I do the wrong thing, but I hurt people when I did it. And that that goes counter to my concept of who I am and what I'm about. Let's, let's, take that as a given. And so let's say I decided to write about it. And I find it difficult to do so, because it triggers off memories, it triggers off questions. Um, in the present time, presumably, I'm, I'm down the road a ways uh, in my own developmental um, maturational level as a person. And so so not only does writing about it trigger the residual shame and residual pain, but also it opens up whole new venues for hurt because I see it from a different perspective. I see myself from a different perspective. And the person I've carefully tried to create just is falling short of where I really feel my ideal self is and so so writing it hurts more and more and more and so the question is do i chuck it because it hurts and because it's bringing me pain and nightmares and i'm getting to be a crotchety old asshole with my my friends and and my family because of the pain of doing this 
or do I persevere with it because there may be some virtue in it somewhere down the road? So that's kind of the issue. And John has said he doesn't want to do something that hurts him. And so I would distinguish between two kinds of hurt. And one kind of hurt is like when you put your hand on something hot and you have to draw it back very quickly and it hurts like hell. Um, yeah, in, in doing that, you have damaged tissue. And the hurt is associated with damage to you. But is that the same kind of hurt that, that John's talking about? And I would have to su suggest that while it may hurt worse than putting your hand on the stove to deal with it, to write it, and to try and make sense out of it, Yet the process is you're trying to knit together your worldview, your view of yourself, your world, your view of the world, your fit in the world, what you can live with and what you can't. That process is a re-knitting, a reconstruction, if you will. That's not going to hurt you. It may, it may, it may hurt those around you because you're you're such an asshole while you try and do it but it's not gonna hurt you because it doesn't teach you something about yourself that you didn't really know already at some level. Oh, the foregone conclusion that like that you start off with this premise is what you're saying, right? Yeah. And the, the worst outcome is you reinforce what you thought about yourself hmm. to begin with. And is it is that that bad? No, I don't think so. You're already dealing with it. So. It, on the psychic pain meter, if you're writing at a level nine, I doubt that you're burning tissue. Oh. On the other hand, <laughs> the other kind of question is, is your writing it actually doing stuff in the world that could bring damage to other people? Your children's view of you as a person and their trust in you, for instance, or how a, a close friend sees you and thought they knew about you and thought they knew about themselves in their past and suddenly you reveal shit that, that opens up big doors to them that they don't want to go through. That's tissue damage. And so, yeah, I would suggest that there's felt pain and then there's tissue damage pain. And and when you're writing, you ought not do tissue damage pain and show anyone else. But the doing, but the the felt pain scale, you can write at a sustained low of 10 as long as you can stand it or have enough scotch. <laughs> um, yeah. Jeffrey, you're going to say something. I cut you off there. Well, because, you know, I it, the, at one point I was like heavily reminded by of like my early writing life, especially being a, like a student of Charles Bukowski. Uh, you, you get into a, a mindset where you want to live that lifestyle to produce the content or to, to for the experiences to produce the content because you think you're saying something new. 
um and that's like in my in it like uh, it that felt like an example of like here i'm living this destructive lifestyle and making notes of it essentially and using that as this filler um that props up this damaging lifestyle that you know it's it's a circular snaking in its tail situation um that 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 that's something that that's something different but it felt like a, a terrible offshoot of part of what you were saying in the middle there that's kind of like doing tissue damage right it's like yeah exactly it's doing that tissue damage but it's it's um it's doing it for the sake of being able to do more tissue damage. It's just like, let me set myself on fire because I'm running out of things to say about what it's like to burn. <laughs> hey, that's a good quote. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. <clears throat> Write that down, Joe. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess kind of like circling back, taking all that and circling back to the main question is like, there's writing for, and Jeff kind of mentioned this earlier, there's writing for you, right? And so we're kind of talking like therapeutic writing or writing to, sort through our emotions. Okay, so what do you take from that that's publishable, I guess? I think I think the genesis of this question for me was, is I'm always putting the cart before the horse when it comes to my writing. I'm always like, okay, where am I gonna publish this? And I haven't written a single word. And I'm like, where am I gonna publish this idea before I've even typed a sentence, you know what I mean? And so like, I think that like, that the anxiety of wanting to be successful is maybe stopping the process before it even starts. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Can I, can I maybe define the concept of success? What, what does yeah. it mean to be a successful writer? And with you, you're, you're just getting back after, you know, those first years of teaching are so incredibly hard. And I can't imagine how, they, how hard they are for a high school teacher, right? You're just Tissue trying damage. to- damage. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. And uh, you, you're coming back now and you're wanting to relaunch your, your science fiction career. Right. Um, and uh, what does success mean? Well, if, if success means, you know, selling millions and millions of copies, that's one thing. But, but for me, success means uh, uh, saying something that touches and helps, helps people, right? Lets people understand they're not alone. And with science fiction, um, now I'm, I'm no expert in science, science fiction, but I, this, is, this is my feeling about what science fiction does really well. It helps us to understand uh, technology in, in, in this new this new thing, how, how these technological ch changes are changing our world. So something set in the future is really about now, right? In the mm -hmm. same way that the, the Star Wars, when it first came out, was about um, the Soviet Union and nuclear destruction. And uh, so for me, if you're doing science fiction, it's that thing that touches people about what's happening now. And th that means you can't look too closely at, at previous models um, because that was about the past, right? Uh, you can't mm -hmm. write Star Wars again. It's about the past. Um, uh, you maybe can advance the story. Tell that uh, to Disney. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so I, I think how do you go forward? It's that spark of idea that, that where you're really speaking truth, and that that that's going to be the successful idea. Yeah. On, on on my terms, right? What, what is that thing you're saying that no one else has said? That thing that only you can see because you're a high school teacher in the 21st century dealing with COVID. Um, and, you know, we have a whole new series of problems, science fiction problems that no one's considered before. Um, and we've got a whole new reality. We have um, psychological pain here that nobody understands and no, nobody's dealt with. Um, you know, I thought, I thought about that. And not to derail the conversation again, but I totally thought about that is that 
we all have this shared experience that in 50 years we're going to say, Hey, you've ever COVID. And then like, boom, there's an immediate, everyone will know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's odd. It's like living through a war basically. Well, 50 years, you'll be able to, to relive that. Me, I, I'll, I'll be, uh, <laughs> I'll, be, me, I'll, be I'll, I'll be at your gravestone. No, it's a jar. Hey, John, We're going to put him in a jar. We saw this already. We saw it in science fiction. Jesus, am I the only one that's keeping up to date? No, John will be like a Westworld android. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I want, I want fun. I want fun and actual fun, not the charade or charade of fun. Facade. Facade is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be a... Uh, we'll upload his conscious into a, a robot. And it'll, no, it'll, no. It'll kind of work, these, but not really. really. No. No, no. Okay, I want to okay. head in a jar, Futurama style, end of story. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have a question about what John was saying. Uh, as far as, like, can we, conf like, I'm worried that we're conflating novelty with quality. Mm. Uh, that's a good point. Because just because, you know, a Romeo and Juliet story has been written doesn't mean that there aren't new takes on it. And that in and of itself is a rewriting of a Greek myth. So, just because but, uh, something's fresh doesn't mean it's good. I, I, I was talking specifically, though, about science fiction, right? So if we're writing about the technological problems of 1893, well, that doesn't really, you know, unless you're writing you know, a story. about Star Trek. <laughs> but they're, they're, they really are talking about what's going on right then. And uh, so, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm fine to see another robot story told, but I, I don't want to see it told in a new way. I, I do want to see it told in a new way so that it reflects my time and what my, my interest is. Whereas if I'm, if I'm writing fantasy, I want to see something about our understanding of religion and spirituality. Right? I mean, I don't know. I think you could write a science fiction or fantasy novel that was basically an allegory for the Civil War. I think that could be done. Yeah. Um, I mean, in a way, the, that was the, the, the post- was it the reconstruction era uh it was the setting for the tv show firefly okay but i, I agree you can absolutely do that but part, part of the heart of that is going to be addressing what i care about right there's cer certain things that that okay fair enough yeah 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 and if if if, if it's all about i don't even know what the problems of 18 yeah well truthfully he wasn't writing about the yeah reconstruction era south either he that he was writing about other things that was just the setting and i'm mistaking one for the other but like Maybe it's like, watching star wars they're not going to reference the cold war the same way no but uh, but uh, the 70s and i think that they will find pleasure in it i don't think that's going to have the same impact that it had on me in 1978 yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's they might think yeah. it's about the gulf war they might think it's about some other thing that's pertinent to their yeah, as like a you're gonna as a reader or as a viewer, you're gonna bring your history to whatever you're reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that might, but uh, I, I still think it's not gonna have the same impact because we're talking. If you think about the Gulf War, that's not a, a an apocalyptic possibility, whereas the stock. That's not who you are. Yeah, well, yeah, okay, okay. Um, so maybe a, a, a person in Iraq would have have a bigger reaction, mm -hmm. but I think yeah, I think I'm, I'm poking that hornet's nest of science fiction. Sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that—that's that's absolutely apt. true. I, that, I think that's really apt. Yeah. So, I, I don't know what 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 does make an idea successful then? Yeah, I guess I guess it, it, I guess it's all in the definition. 
I mean, I feel um, like part of the job is I've been following Neil Gaiman on Twitter and other various platforms for so long. I can hear his advice as though he's, as though I'm channeling him, but so many people say, how do I get this? Uh, how do I get this thing finished? And, and he says, and I know he's trying to be funny, but he's also very earnest about it. Like, yeah, well, you just keep putting the words down on paper until you've got a thing that's kind of complete ish. And then, uh, you go through it another 10 times until it looks like you knew what you were doing from the beginning. And uh, there's a, I mean, there's so many good ideas that I, I'm sure I've abandoned that I think we all sometimes abandon just because we don't see where we're at with it and we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel and we can't see the thing as a larger, uh, we can't take, we can't take a step back and see it uh, as a whole yeah and and also i mean i'm not even addressing imposter syndrome and all that kind of thing but I, I i feel like there are so many good ideas that could just so easily be walked away from because we hit that snag where shit what do i do now i wrote myself into a corner or maybe like you're talking about david like where do i publish this thing and i haven't even written it yet and yeah, Neil Gaiman's yeah, I, advice, by the way, would be to write it and then find out the hard way you can't publish it anywhere. Right, and that's and that is you just perfect transition there because I've been thinking about this, you know, since I told John about it, and you know, being at home for an entire year and listening to other creatives and other fields and all kinds of things, is that you really can't like maybe you can't you know tell me if I'm wrong, but maybe you can't plan for success. Like maybe you just have to write and write and write and then success is just a happy accident. Well, okay, but again, you, you have to define success there and what right. do you mean by success? Because my, my two, two volumes of my memoir have been read by tens of people and, um, uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know, most authors would consider that like who gives a rat's ass? Like that's not why. Right. And yet I get weird. Like I, I don't know what it is about Australia, but I get weirdly regularly contacted by people in Australia who've read it. Hmm. They're like, how did you do it? I'm thinking about the surgery and blah, blah, blah. So my goal with uh, writing this series of books was to talk about all the things that I really wish they had talked about in the, I don't know, 12 weeks of classes I had to take um, yeah. that they just didn't address or that were like, you know, they just kind of glossed over or thing. There are things that you can't talk about there. You, you really can't uh, uh, visualize until you've gone through them. And my whole thing was like, well, fuck, I can visualize things for people. That's what writing is right. kind of. Yeah. I see so, what you're saying. Yeah. And so total strangers on a completely different continent have contacted me and said, uh, well, one of them has said, you know, I, you know, that's exactly my experience. You absolutely say it exactly like it happened for me. And then another one was like, I, I, I just don't know whether or not I want to get this surgery. And your book is like not convincing me that I should get it. And I was like, well, Maybe the part where you don't die early would convince you. I don't know. But, uh, so like, uh, and I guess for any, to put, just to put some context on that, I've, I've written, I'm working on the third volume of a series of 
memoirs about having weight loss surgery and how it's changed uh, my life and how I'm having to relearn how to be a person uh, and, and engage with food, which is a thing we take for granted. So, um, but anyway, so that to me is wild success because to what three human beings now from a different part of the world have reached out to say hi. Yeah. Like, I am beyond stoked. I've seen uh, Not a Penny and uh, I could give a shit. So what is success for you? End of sermon. It's a, it's a really good point. <laughs> oh, that's the most important thing. Like you have to define the terms, like the goal. Yeah. Okay, if, if the goalpost keeps moving or it's in another state, how do you ever expect to score? And, and like, I, I think we're all familiar or maybe we're not all familiar, but uh, apparently Stephen King's wife fished out of the garbage the original manuscript of Carrie Yep. which without that that was his first major novel if i'm not mistaken we wouldn't have had or it would have taken a lot longer to get some of my favorites so again you're not qualified i don't know if you're ever qualified to say what's good or bad personally you have to put it out there and the goal has to be set before you before you do or else failure is inevitable like you are guaranteed to fail if the goal isn't clear and if the goal is to be the next Stephen King out of the gate, that's horrible. Like, that's just not, that, that shouldn't be the thing. Eventually, what, sure, but not, not right away. What's interesting about Stephen King is he, he did the Richard Bachman experiment where, where and he, he wrote a great novel, amazing novel, and changed his name to Richard Bachman and tried to get it published. And he did get it published, but it wasn't popular. Um, and he, his point was, that uh, the, the writer can't write for my kind of success because it's not possible even for me to do that, right? It, it was just a fluke. It just happened because he hit at a certain time. Um, but that doesn't mean his work wasn't always great. It's and the like Bachman the, books are fantastic. The social media gurus who's like, this is how to make a viral video. Okay, you just took into account so many factors that are beyond the pale of, of, of algorithms. Like you can't, you can't uh, source code this stuff into and then just copy paste it. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But you can gradually build up. You can total and 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 it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Of course it does, but that can't be the goal, man. Or or if that is the goal, dude, that that's just terrible. Like who who wants to be who wants to be aiming for that their whole life? I like to hit my target sometimes, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sisyphus. Well, it's not <laughs> right? Like, no, I just want this boulder just a little more, just a little more. It'll crush me to death eventually. Like, <laughs> okay, so so that me to a uh, where kind of where I go a lot of the time. Victor Frankel and his discussion of success. And Ken, you'll you'll have a better memory of this than I do about what he says about success being a byproduct. Um, yeah, uh, me and memory. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that, that's that that horse is so far down the the trail um look i think the i think what what victor frankel was saying wasn't specific to to anything he was talking in big generalities and what he was saying was it was very simple you, you live longer if you have a sense of meaning in what you do. 
And that doesn't mean that you, you sit and reach into a drawer and find the right one and grab it and say, okay, that's my goal. My, my goal is to have 10,000 copies. My goal is to be picked up by an A-tier publisher. My goal is to be read in four different continents. My goal is, shit, I think that we can have a multiplicity of goals. And some of them are more Sisyphean than others. That, that if, if every day I get out and I move the boulder a little bit farther, the question isn't whether it's ever going to get to the top. That's one question. And if so, am I going to have to do it all over again? That's another question. The third question is, what do I feel when I do it? What do I feel when I'm lifting that? And if I wasn't able to lift that anymore, how would that feel? Or, you know, I, in the stuff that I've published, I've had books published that have been reasonably successful given the genre, you know, the, the nonfiction clinical things. Mm -hmm. I've put out other things that got no recognition at all but that didn't make one more successful than the other for me. Sometimes it was about whether I could actually write anything that was sensible at all about certain kinds of experiences. And if I could, then the question was, well, is the product of the writing, the book that sits on the shelf, is that the target goal or is it the process of making sense of that which I had to make sense of in order to be able to put a coherent narrative together. Is getting there, is the journey, what, what is the adage? Uh, the, the, <laughs> how does that go, John? Don't even say it, I'm so sick of hearing that. Someone help me, someone help me. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what the adage is. You know where it's not the journey or it's not the destination. Well, it's not it's the journey, it's the destination or something like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like if you hate the, okay, you should do this as a writer. You should sit down for a week and write. And if you hate that part, stop. Mm. Yeah, that's you just true. like talking about being a writer. That could very well be the case. I can't tell you how many times people have said that. And I love like, not, to, not to just be a Stephen King fanboy, because he's, he's whatever, but uh, his best, the best answer he gives at those, at those parties is, yeah, I've always liked to do brain surgery, but there's very little opportunity or chance that's ever going to happen because like you, I'm not going to sit there and go through the time and invest the resources and make this happen like you will if it matters. Yeah, de desire and behavior are two different things. Yeah, yeah there's I a lot of dissonance in this world already. We, we yeah. do it every day. I, so, love, I love the Stephen King story that's, that's directed right at this issue. And that's that one, and I don't remember the title of it, but the, the traveling salesman pulls into a motel in Kansas on a, on a highway. And he spent the night before, because it's part of his sales um, route, that he, that he covers. And so he's been there a dozen times. There's nothing special about the place. Um, it's clean and well lighted and not quite clean. Um, but he goes there and he sits down on the bed this time and he opens his attache case and he pulls out a 45. 
And he puts it in his mouth and he tries it on for size and stuff. And then he sits it down and he goes through this huge process of thinking about last matters. And he's got this manuscript that he's been carrying around. And the manuscript is, it's, he thinks it's kind of ingenious. He, he collected the best of the writings on restroom walls in, in all his journeys. And so he has this collection of, of, you know, here I said broken hearted came to shit and only farted jokes. And um, he, he finds some of them kind of profound and he thinks that they're worth saving. And so he's been collecting them in a notebook. And so the question is, what are the reporters gonna make of this notebook? And when it gets back to his family, what are they gonna think about him and where he spends his time? And so um, he goes through these gyrations. How do I get rid of this thing without it being found? And he finally ends up uh, kind of giving up on the task. There's no way he can lose these traces of his existence, however they'll be interpreted. Then he kind of figures, well, it's a shame not to finish this and get it into press. And he heads back to his room, having answered his question of, what I have to live for. Hmm. And, and I submit that to, to you guys as a kind of a, a question, I guess. If we're talking about success in writing, and we're talking about targets, and we're talking about um, expectations and what it takes to do this kind of work, uh, where are we on that? that issue of um, does it sustain us? Um. And that's the issue. <laughs> where's, where's my 45? <laughs> and if it doesn't, if you find yourself searching for the 45, I guess the question to start with, rather than where's the 45, the question would be, the fuck's wrong with my writing that it's not doing something for me now that it ought to be doing? Right. right. I don't know if this helps you, David, but for the longest time, my feeling was I don't like writing, but I like having written where I can see it on the screen or hold a page in my hand and think, okay, all of that nonsense and all of that uh, unpleasantness has yielded something I can actually. You've been distilled. You've look passed at. through the filter. Here <laughs> yeah. I am. But like, I'm getting to the point now where I like the process and like, I'm working on an, a sonnet about the love between Ernie and Bert and it's a terrible sonnet and the meter's off and it doesn't rhyme, but I think, well, I'm having a good time doing this. Yeah. So yeah. I think for me, that was a major turning point to like get from hating the process to like not minding it so much. Yeah. I think that's really big because something that I discovered was about my, and, and, and you know, this is, you know, getting kind of personal and it's, you know, but writing is personal by nature. So, but I, I you know, we did, we played a lot of D and D this year and I love the shit out of it. And, um, uh, and, and I think, and I think that's what I want like my writing to do is like everyone has, you know, mountains of fun mm -hmm. playing D and D, you know, when I'm, running the show and everyone's having tons of fun and we're all laughing um like that i think i think being the entertainer is what is the, and i want the writing to be a vehicle for that 
And it's hard when you're sitting in your office by yourself thinking, hey, this is going to be a great idea one day. You know what I mean? But, but you do that as a DM. You say, hey, this is, on Thursday, this is going to be a, a really great idea. Yeah. Right? And that comes down to trust, trusting yourself. Yeah. People say trust the audience. No, it's trusting yourself. Trust that you have talent. And, uh, you know, I, I've been working with you since, uh, I think, 1984 or something. And I can tell you. Yeah, yeah when, when the wall came down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and I can tell you, you have, you have talent. You, you, you really should trust that. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. And you, you've got a way of seeing through science fiction that I can't. And which is why I, I want I want your work out there. And, and your taste. And by the way, you look great for your age, um, David. <laughs> Uh, your uh, your taste is not so unique or specific to you that there won't be so many a bunch of other people out there who will agree with it. if you think it's good or if you think it's funny you're not going to be the only person to feel that way and I think the difference between a novel and a D&D game is uh, one of those things is hanging out with friends and it's really low stakes yeah but maybe that's it too. the creative process I'm going to real quick say, I will promise I make this, I will make this short, but I think, you know, I went through the same program you did as an undergrad. And then I went into the MFA, got my MFA in poetry. And uh, in part of that process, I feel really crippled me in a way because I was trying to, we were talking about, we were reading the best poets ever published or the best poets published in the last century or the best poets currently being published. And we were talking about how brilliant they are. And we were talking about how can we steal from them and become more like them. And um, I mean, at some point I, this is maybe hubris, but uh, fuck Whitman. I don't want to be Whitman. I don't want to, I don't want to be Ocean Vuong. Ocean Vuong is the best Ocean Vuong out there and I can't compete with him. Um, and I wanna, I, and I mean, I mean, literally this year is when I started, like when I regained this feeling, like the work that I write is for me first. And, uh, and, and I'm not talking about the journaling I do, which helps me deal with, you know, this terrible fucking year and this terrible time of year for me personally. Uh, as we are on the anniversary of like literally five deaths and uh, uh, all this terrible stuff. Like I'm not talking about the journaling. I'm talking about the poem that I wrote the other day that I am literally going to submit to someone at some point soonish. Um, that's for me first. And I just, you know, there will be a journal who likes it and there might be 50 before that journal that don't. Uh, and when that journal publishes that poem as inevitably a journal will, there Troy might needles. be, there might, what's that? Troy Needles, Mount Sac edition. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, there, there, so when Troy Needles publishes this poem, it's uh, uh, regular readers, some of them are going to connect to that poem and some of them will not. And uh, that's cool. It's all cool. And I, 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 the thing is to write that poem for me and it's maybe... Again, maybe a little too much me, but that's, I'm not writing because my dad needs me to write. (laughs) I'm not, not, and I'm certainly not writing for commercial success. I'm paying my bills. So 
<laughs> just imagine the ghost of King Hamlet leaning over your shoulder and <laughs> shouting at you to write. Yeah. And if that were happening, all my creative energy would be going into finding an exorcist <laughs> and not writing a goddamn thing. Fuck, <laughs> we, fuck who are you going to call, Tim? Fuck yeah. Who, who are you going to call? That little lady from uh, uh, Poltergeist. 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 <laughs> yeah. John, gonna, you were going to say something We're going to clean this house. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if you ever get worried about like uh, the fact that people aren't going to like your stuff, go to the Amazon reviews of like the Bible or something. Um, and look at those those ones, you know, um, or or Hamlet. It's like <laughs> such a cliche, you know. Oh God, that would be such a good. That'd be such a fun exercise for high schoolers. Yeah, there's a really great series of posters. They look like national park posters, but they're the 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 one reviews uh, for the different national parks. Like they said, it was great, but there's just fucking trees, you know, things like that. Yeah. <laughs> The Grand Canyon's just a big goddamn hole. Yeah. Are we going to put anything in this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. It's rocks. David, you have the best laugh online. It's, you know so, it's so loud. Oh, my God. I'm good. Uh, we should put a, 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 a volume warning at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> There's nothing wrong. You know, you could use the word loud, but you could also use the word honest. Yeah. I, no one thinks that you're laughing uh, out of charity. <laughs> which, which is that, <laughs> which uh, that's, uh, I give You mean the white here. person laugh? Yeah, well. <laughs> I don't know that laugh. <laughs> okay, I've, I've, got, I've got one of the, the posters here. Uh, this is oh, for Joshua Tree. This is Joshua Tree. The only thing to do here is to walk around the desert. <laughs> there you go. I uh, what was it? I, I was... Uh, that could have been written by me, by the way. <laughs> oh, that's good. I saw something the other day where they're like, "So where's Joshua Tree? Where's the tree? Where's this tree?" <laughs> Jesus. Why would Christ. they name it Joshua? Yeah, why would they name it Joshua Tree if there's no oh, Joshua Tree? Oh, I forget what that was. Uh, I'm gonna do one more because I have to. This is for Sequoia. Uh, it's there are bugs and they will bite you on the on your face. <laughs> that also could have been written by me. <laughs> are you a big I'm, nature lover, Tim? I absolutely from the oh. car. <laughs> oh my god! Driving through the Sequoia. Oh man, we I, we drove through. We drove down the Oregon and California coastline this summer, and man, when we crossed over into California and went through those redwoods, I'm not joking. It was I, I wrote to John on Facebook about it. It was a life-changing experience um, because the Grand Han the Grand Canyon is just a big fucking hole. But then you get there and you're like, wow, that's a really big fucking hole. And it just changes your perspective on things, right? And the same driving, I've never lived here my whole life, 52 years, never driven through the Redwoods. Holy hmm. shit. It's amazing. I'm not going to camp there. There's fucking bugs and they could totally bite you on their on your face. And then you've got to eat shitty freeze-dried food and sleep on the ground. <laughs> but it was amazing. It was life-changing. This podcast brought to you by Outdoor World. <laughs> Tim's wrong about everything. Outdoor World. Or what's it? Bat what's the big giant bass pro? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bass pro shop. Or something, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, I, I, I've got to walk with you through the woods. You can stay in the hotel, but at some point, I've got to walk with you through the woods. And uh, I'll, 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 that'll do. I'll put on some like hiking boots. If I can camp, anyone can camp. Yeah. I, John, I, do you guys? I need six thousand miles of extension cord and a <laughs> and a sleep number bed, and then I'll camp. Oh my goodness. John, are you guys planning on doing that this summer? We're probably not this summer. Um, I'll probably do it by myself, uh, just with a tent in the middle of, you know, backpack out or something. But the 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 program probably won't happen. Right. The the vaccine probably won't be distributed that fast. Yeah. Uh, I I, there there. I've got some pretty big goals, but one of them is to kill no one. Uh, (laughs) It's a good goal. Yeah, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty tall order, John. I mean, really, I found murdering really helps my uh, writing process. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm batting like 900 right now. So, wow, 900. Wait, murdering or not murdering? <laughs> that's uh. Either way, you've it's got a, a body count. Distinction. Yeah, either way, you've got a body count there, man. That's uh, you, you need to do better than that. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so. What makes an idea good? Uh, I, I think we, what we've, we've come back to is, is something to do with the, its effect on you and not necessarily your reader. Um, is, that, is that fair? Everybody agree with that? I mean, um, I feel like almost any idea could be pursued and uh, pushed and bullied into being something great. Yeah, it's, just, it's about the execution and how dedicated you are to that execution. Yeah. And, For me, and, and, and just allowing yourself to complete something that sucks because it's always going to suck when you're done with it. Yeah, yeah a terrible funny. poem is better than no poem. The art, uh, I, I, I insist that this is true and I, I'm going to get my way. Um, the art <laughs> of writing lies in the revision. Mm-hmm. That initial draft is whatever. Yep. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, that's what I'm insisting on. I'm going to be quiet now. This, this is maybe a good place to stop, and I think we've. I think we've covered it. I've, my question is officially answered, and I can check that box now. Okay. Right <laughs> so, the next question is: How does John murder people in Northern California? <laughs> in a typical year. <laughs> in, a typical, in a non-COVID year, I, I lure them to a creek. Well, we. You can all see your Southern California bias because you've called someplace south of Fresno, Northern California. Middle of California. Everything, everything north of Barstow is Northern California. What are you talking about? <laughs> everything north of Silver Lake is Northern California. <laughs> you go past those mountains out there and you're in Northern California. That's yeah. right. It's up like in, the people. Uh, up in Palm Dizzle. <laughs> um, Dizzle? Yeah, I'm trying to sex it up. <laughs> so, so he chose Dizzle. Yeah, it's very 2003. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that's where my. Uh, that's probably right around the time my pop culture awareness stops. <laughs> Wait a second, John. You hit the stop recording button five minutes ago, right? No, I did not. No. It all goes in. Wait. <laughs> It's all going in, baby. As it should. It's all going in. The world needed palm dizzle, let's be honest. (laughs) It just sounds like a a marital aid product. I don't know. (laughs) 